In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, a Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. In this season of Easter, we can try to enter into the mystery of the resurrection in our prayer. And I thought we could enter into this mystery through the experience of one of the first witnesses of the resurrection, St. Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene is really a saint's saint. So many of the saints speak about her with great praise and great admiration. They admire especially the intensity and the greatness of her love for our Lord, for our Lord Jesus. They even seem jealous of her special relationship with him. They're moved, they're captivated, of course, by the story of her, con of her conversion. The gospel tells us that Mary was a great sinner and that our Lord even expelled seven demons from her. And so her love is motivated in a special way by gratitude, by gratitude to Jesus for having freed her from sin and freed her from, from those demons. And we know that her love for our Lord was something very generous and loyal. Right? It moves her to be at the foot of the cross. Just recently we saw on Good Friday that she's there. She's one of the handful of our Lord's disciples who, who were faithful to him, who did not abandon him on Good Friday. And the same, the same love, the same love for our Lord moves her to be, to be first, to be first at the tomb on Easter Sunday. And so in our prayer, we can enter into this, this scene as St. John describes it in his gospel. Now on, the now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And so we see here that Mary is, is moved by love to be first at the tomb. It's the first thing she does that day. And she does it as soon as she can, as soon as possible. She gets up to go to be close to our Lord. She does it while it was still dark. She's the first witness to the resurrection. And because of that, she becomes the, the first apostle in a way. The church calls her the apostle to the apostles. She's the first one to announce Christ's victory, and she does it precisely to his closest followers, to the apostles. And why is she able to do this? She's able to do this primarily because she's the first one to get up that day. She's the first one, literally, to get out of bed. And she gets out of bed first because she loves, because she wants to serve her Lord. She wants to be close to his body to anoint it. She wants to love him as much as she can. She wants to love him with deeds that day. And I imagine that she was especially anxious to do so. The gospel tells us that on Good Friday, 
they had to hurry to bury our Lord. And one of the reasons Mary gets up early is to finish the preparation of his body. But they go with spices, ointment, to embalm better the body of our Lord in the tomb. And so she's particularly eager to do so because she couldn't do it in the way that she wanted to on Good Friday. And so the whole Sabbath, she was probably impatient, waiting for this moment. And so it's not hard for her to get out of bed to serve our Lord. She's eager to do so. It was probably difficult for her to sleep. She's kind of excited about getting up. We all have the experience, or at least see it in others, that when something new and exciting is released or made available, people's desire for it, their love for that event or that product, lead them to try to be there first. They want to be first in line. We've seen, for instance, when the Christmas shopping season opens on Black Friday, you see those lines of people who've been there for hours and hours. And they're waiting to buy that new video game console or that hot new toy. Or perhaps also we've seen people camp outside of Ticketmaster waiting for that moment when the tickets for their favorite group, their favorite singer will go on sale so they can buy them. I remember in the late 90s and the early years of this century, People would line up outside of stores the night before a new Harry Potter book was released. And so they'd be outside of Barnes and Noble and Borders bookstores, lines and lines of fans of Harry Potter, waiting for that moment for the doors to open and get in there and get that new, that new sequel. And this is like Mary Magdalene, her love, her enthusiasm for God her love and her loyalty to Jesus lead her to be the first one. She's the first one online at the tomb. Lord, we want this to be us. Every morning, Lord, help me to have the same attitude. I want to be someone who's first in line to love you, God. I want to be first for you. And we can do this. We can be first at the tomb in our own way, we could be first in line for God just by starting our day with prayer. We can let God be our first concern of the day by getting up on time and living a morning offering. The first thing we do is to offer the day to God, to remember that God loves us, that God's calling us into the day. And then we can also make mental prayer, our conversation with, conversation with our Lord, a time of dialogue with Him, a normal part of our morning routine that sometime between the time we get up and the time we start our work, whether it's before or after breakfast, sometime between the time we get up and the time we start our, our day, our work day, we have time for God. We put ourselves in His presence and we talk to Him about the day we think about Him. We have some time for contemplative, for mental prayer. And that's our own way of being like Mary Magdalene, right? Being eager to love God 
and doing so as early as possible. Mary Magdalene is the first witness of the resurrection, at least according to the gospel accounts. Many theologians and saints argue that our Lord appeared first to his mother, even though it's not recorded in the Bible. But she's the first witness because she's the first in love of our Lord. She has a great love for Jesus. And there's a good reason, scripture scholars tell us, that there's, there's good reason to think that Mary Magdalene is the sinful woman who washes Jesus' feet with her tears, who dries them with her hair, who anoints them with oil. For instance, in the Gospel of Luke, we have an account of this. It happens in the house of Simon the Pharisee. And Jesus is there having a meal with, with Simon the Pharisee, and this woman comes in, this sinful woman who very likely is Mary Magdalene, Standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. And then the Pharisee, of course, hypocritically thinks poorly of Jesus because he lets this sinful woman approach him in this way, lets her get so close to him. And then Jesus um, corrects Simon the Pharisee and in doing so, he gives this wonderful compliment to Mary Magdalene. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. What a wonderful compliment, Lord, to hear from your lips. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. She loved much. The greatest compliment that God can give, God is love. God is love. And to, so to say that she loved much is to say that she is like me. You are holy, you are like me. And our vocation to be Christians, our vocation to holiness, is a vocation to hear the same compliment from God. You have loved much. To love God above all things and to love our neighbor as ourselves. It's the only commandment that our Lord points out in the Old Testament as the great commandment. To love the Lord our God with our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole soul, our whole strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Mary Magdalene, after seeing that the stone is taken away from the tomb, she starts to play that role of apostle to the apostles. She saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb, so she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. 
And then we know the scene, Peter and, and John come running. John is younger and faster, and Peter perhaps a little bit older and a little bit out of shape, loses the race to the tomb. John, out of respect, waits for Peter. Peter catches up. John lets Peter go in first. Peter goes in and sees the cloths lying lying there and the cloth for his head rolled up in one, one place. John goes in, sees and believes. And then this and then the, the two apostles, Peter and John, go back, go back home. But Mary Magdalene, the, the gospel tells us, stays there. And she doesn't leave that spot. And so in a way it's kind of interesting, it's kind of fitting, right, that she's the first one there in this scene, but she's also the last one to leave. The same love that moved her to be there first moves her to stay there. She stays there in sorrow, but she also stays there with this desire to figure out, to find out what happened, to find his body, to find her Lord. The disciples went back to their homes, we read, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain. Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. She's weeping, of course, because of her loss. She's weeping because she's lost her love. She's lost her Lord. Love and sorrow are connected. She who loved much weeps much once her love is gone. The more we love someone, the more we grieve when they're missing. The more we grieve when they pass on. Mary Magdalene has a double grief in this moment. She's still grieving over the death of our Lord, the death of her love. And now she grieves even more, or it's grief added upon grief. She grieves now because his body is missing. Her grief increases because she cannot grieve properly at his tomb. She's even more sorry than before because she can't do what she wants to do for him in his death. And in these days of the coronavirus pandemic, many people sadly find themselves in Mary's situation. And we pray for them. They've lost their loved ones and they cannot attend their funerals. They can't be in church for funeral mass. They can't be at the graveside to say farewell to their body. The sorrow they feel at the death of their loved one is great. And then it's compounded by this inability to grieve properly. It's compounded by their physical distance from that person. And so in this moment of prayer, in our meditation, we can pray for all the people who are undergoing this experience, undergoing what Mary Magdalene went through in this moment. We ask our Lord to console them. And if you yourself are going through this, 
we encourage you and we invite you to make an act of trust in God. Offer Him that sorrow. Offer it to Him out of love, out of love for the one you lost. Offer it to Him in order to trust Him more. And then keep looking for God. You stay there. This is what Mary Magdalene does. She doesn't go away. She stays there in the hope that in the hope that somehow she'll find out what happened to him. And so she looks into the tomb and she sees these two angels. She saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. I always thought this amazing scene um, because not only does not, it's, it's not only amazing because these two angels are there, that would be amazing enough. But it's amazing that uh, Mary, in her sorrow, right, doesn't um, doesn't seem surprised or cognizant of the fact that these are angels, right? I mean. Um, I think she's like so blinded by her sorrow. We see the depth of her sorrow that she just deals with the angels as if, you know, they're no big deal. Right? Angels ask her, woman, why are you weeping? And then she just gives them, the, she just gives them the answer because they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Right? Angels are from God and angels are pretty special. And so if Mary was, you know, kind of reasoning more normally, she would say, well, why don't you tell me, right? You guys are the angels, and uh, you should know something about this. What are you doing here? Where is he? And so I think it's an indication of the depth of her grief that um, she just answers the angel's questions, question um, kind of straight up, right? kind of normally. And then our Lord appears. Saying this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom do you seek? Again, that question. Woman, why are you weeping? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Another great indication of Mary Magdalene's love. Another great indication of her love for our Lord. This answer, so simple yet so profound. Tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And isn't that isn't that um, charity? Right, charity wants to take care of others. Charity wants to take care of those that it loves. Right? Tell me where you take where, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. Right? Let me know where he is. I'll take care of him. That's what I'm here to do. Just tell me where he is and I'll take care of the rest. Woman, why are you weeping? She's weeping because she she doesn't recognize Jesus. She's weeping because she thinks she's still lost our Lord. 
That question, as we just mentioned, is repeated. The angels ask it, woman, why are you weeping? Jesus asks it, woman, why are you weeping? And the answer is loss. She thinks she's lost God. She hasn't really lost him, but she thinks she's lost him. And that's a great lesson for us in our faith, in our spiritual life. The greatest cause of sadness for us, the greatest cause for weeping, is the loss of God, is the loss of our Lord. And the only way to lose our Lord is through sin. Only by seriously sinning do we lose our contact with God. We've all had that experience, right? When we lose something important or we think we've, we've lost something important, it's a traumatic experience. Right? There's that frustration, perhaps. <clears throat> we want to go somewhere. You need to go somewhere. And you can't find the car keys. Or you think for a moment that you forgot your phone in a store or a restaurant or on the bus. You realize, where's my phone? You don't know where it is. And that panic sets in. Or perhaps we've seen that moment of recognition on a child's face. When the child turns around, looks at those around him in a store or in a park. And he's temporarily lost his parents. He, he realizes his parents aren't with him. He can't see them. And there's that moment of shock and then sorrow, crying. The reverse, the reverse is also true, right? It's the parent's greatest fear to lose a young child. And so the loss of something valuable, the loss of something dear to us, brings with it that moment of shock, that panic. And then if it's really gone, there's a pain that sets in, right? The pain of loss. We miss it. We miss it or we miss them. And this is what happens if we had true faith. The thing that would make us the saddest would be sin. With sin, we lose God's friendship. Of course, it should be only temporary, and we know that He's still loving us even when we sin. We've only lost the connection from our side, but His side never changes. His love never changes. So all we have to do is turn back to Him with an act of contrition and confession when necessary and in a regular way. And His love for us hits our soul again, right? It comes right back into us when we, when we let it back in. Woman, why are you weeping? Her weeping is a sign of her love. Her loss is greater because of the greatness of her love for God. Let me know where you laid him, and I will take him away. A great attitude that we also should imitate. I'll take care of him. Leave it to me. Let me know where he is. And I'll take him away. I'll take care of him. And this is something that we all have to do. Lord, help me to do this. Lord, help me to take care of your presence in my life. Our Lord, in our faith, 
has entrusted himself to each one of us. He's entrusted himself to us in the different ways that he's present in our life, present in the church. He's entrusted himself to each one of us with his presence in the Blessed Sacrament. He's entrusted himself to each one of us with his presence in Sacred Scripture. He's entrusted himself to each one of us with his presence in our soul in the state of grace. Behold, I am with you always and to the end of the age. The last thing our Lord says before sending it to heaven in the Gospel of St. Matthew. Behold, I am with you always and to the end of the age. And so, Lord, help me to see each one of us in our own way. We ask for you, Lord, Lord, help me to see how I can take care of you in my life. How I can say with Mary Magdalene, let me know where he is. Let me know where you've taken him. And I will take him away. I'll take care of him. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. What a wonderful dialogue. First of all, many have commented that, you know, when does when does Mary notice that it's Jesus? When are her when are her eyes opened to re, to the reality that it's her Lord there, not the gardener? Well, it's precisely when he says her name, Mary, and she turns and says Rabboni, and she recognizes him when he says her name. And so we too have to deal with our Lord personally, using his name and letting him use our name in our prayer. And then there's this beautiful, um, this beautiful line of our Lord. Jesus said to her, do not hold to me. Sometimes it's translated, do not cling to me. For I have not yet ascended to the Father. And so in the first place, it's beautiful because we can imagine that Mary Magdalene has embraced him. Right? She's run up and and grabbed onto him, grabbed a hold of our Lord, or fallen at his feet again, grabbed and grabbed his feet, grabbed his legs. And so her love moves her to be physically close to him. She wants to hang on to him. And Jesus' answer is, is um, beautiful and mysterious. Do not hold me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Which is kind of strange. Strange, right? Um, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. And so it's weird because, like, if he ascends to the Father, well, how is she supposed to hold on to him? And it seems like he won't be there anymore to hang on to. But that's precisely what Jesus is implying. Right? That after I ascend to the Father, well, that's when you should grab on to me. That's when you should cling to me. That's when you should embrace me and never let me go. And how do we do that? Well, in the ways that Jesus stays with us. And Jesus leaves in his humanity with his normal, quote-unquote, normal <laughs> resurrected body. But he stays in the Eucharist, and he stays in Scripture, and he stays in our soul, and he stays in his presence in other people. And he says, when I ascend to the Father, well, that's when you should hold on to me and never let go. And keep me with you as much as possible in every moment. Stay in my presence. Embrace me then. Embrace me in your prayer. Embrace me in the Mass. Embrace me in your 
patience and charity with others. Embrace me in your daily life with all the challenges that it has during these times and all the normal challenges when times are more normal. Do not hold me, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and said to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. St. Josemaria Scriva called the apostolate our evangelization an overflow of the interior life. That our love for our Lord fills our soul, fills our heart, and then it naturally overflows to sharing it with other people, to wanting to have other people get in on what we have. Right? We love our Lord, we're loved by Him, and we realize this is something very good. And I want the people around me, the people I love, my friends, my colleagues, my family members, to get in on this. And so our relationship with our God, with our, God, our relationship with Christ, leads us to apostolate, leads us to share it with others. And this is what we see Mary Magdalene do. Mary Magdalene went and said to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told him that he said these things to her. To finish our prayer, we go to Our Lady, who I, I personally think, we said this before, that many people think, um, that Our Lady Mary, Mary the Mother of God, not Mary Magdalene, was actually the first one that our Lord appeared to. And this makes sense, right? Because if Mary Magdalene loved much, and she did, Our Lady loved even more. And who could love our, our Lord more than His mother? And so we go to her and we ask her for help to enter into the scenes of the resurrection and to have more faith, more faith in the resurrection of our Lord which gives us a great hope, a great optimism that our Lord, because He's resurrected, is still alive and still very much with us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.